the hazards of the cobalt-lithium chemistry should be taken seriously. Even small batteries can create very hazardous situations. And now in our industry, thinking about scaling up those very small electronics-type batteries into large home or commercial systems, or even worse, large utility-scale systems, it represents a significant hazard. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of cleantech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in, and welcome to our tribe. Hey, Solar Warriors. Welcome back. It's another Tactical Tuesday, conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business and career and grow with us here on Suncast. There's so much about the way our industry is built that is very technical. It involves certifications, it involves equipment manufacturing, and millions of dollars of research and development are on the line, as well as millions of homeowners policies, et cetera, for our eventual deployment of these products into the homes, businesses, and communities around us, which is why we all depend so heavily on National Electrical Codes, UL under, or otherwise known as Underwriters Laboratory Certifications for these products and the way they function and the safety they provide. There's so much alphabet soup also around what certifications are relevant. And in the industry as practitioners, there are UL and then a bunch of numbers around the types of certifications required to bring products to market. One such certification is UL 9540, which governs the way electrical storage systems that connect to the grid or have standalone applications connect to or or, are certified by UL. And there's a further tweak to that, which is 9540A. We're going to talk more about 9540A today with our resident expert, Catherine Von Berg, CEO of Simplify Power. If that name sounds familiar, well, that's because you are either a faithful Suncast listener and remember that she was recently on the show. Or because you recognize her as I do as a thought leader in the industry who has spent the better part of the last two decades helping bring products to market that provide energy storage and uh, safety to homeowners and businesses. Well, she has just returned from the National Fire Prevention Association conference in early uh, part of June up in Boston, where fire safety and energy storage systems was hoped to be discussed. Was it on the radar Or was it a little known subject that got glossed over? We will discuss a little bit more about that today. And Catherine will share from her experience at the conference and her ample opportunity to educate both the audience and the NFPA participants around 9540A and its significant importance to our industry. If leveling up your knowledge in even the smallest way to be able to participate in this conversation, either over a cocktail to sound smarter or over a business meeting to help your customers understand what is next. If that matters to you, then you're in the right place. Suncast brings these kinds of deep dive, thought leader-led educational experiences to you each and every week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I'd encourage you to subscribe to the show. But for now, we're going to dive into the next Tactical Tuesday, practical advice for your career and business right here on Suncast. All right, so let's set the stage. Imagine you've created a new electronic product and that product amazing and you really want to show it to the world and have them buy lots and lots of them but what if the battery that powers that 
electronic good catches fire. Well, that would be a lot of faulty products out in the marketplace and probably a lot of unhappy customers. Worst of all, you'd get a bad reputation, maybe some lawsuits, and probably the industry that you represent or wherever you're selling these products might get a black, black eye. Unfortunately, this is more than a whimsical, satirical scenario I'm painting for those of us in the solar and energy storage uh, industries because lots of these stories exist and persist. <laughs> and that is why UL9540 and UL9540A exist to help bring some rigor around it. 9540 specifically is a safety standard for energy storage systems and equipment, as I mentioned before, that are intended to connect to a local utility grid or standalone application. And it designates issues around how to deal with safety of the battery system, functional safety, fire detection and suppression, containment, environmental performance, and more. However, 9540A, which we're going to spend more time on today, is a test method for evaluating something called thermal runaway. Our resident expert to talk a little bit more about that is none other than returning guest, CEO of Simplify Power, Catherine Von Berg. Welcome back to Suncast. Thank you, Nico. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, Catherine, uh, I've said a mouthful. I'd like to get a sense from you if you could help us distinguish the between UL9540 and 9540A. Sure. 9540A is not a certification. It is not a pass-fail. It is a fire test protocol that is administered for lithium-ion batteries at the cell module or battery level and at the large unit level. And the test results of the 9540A fire safety testing then inform the 9540 certification. So the essence of the 9540A test protocol is really to force a lithium ion battery into a state of thermal runaway. And depending on the chemistry and the form factor that the chemistry is housed in the cells, whether it's pouch, prismatic, or cylindrical, each of these chemistries and the different form factors housing the chemistry, and then, of course, the construction of the packs utilizing these cells into larger battery modules and then even larger unit levels, each of these elements have a different risk profile and performance profile that is characterized through these test protocols. And essentially, the 9540A test protocol is to create transparency and insight into the relative risk profile when the battery is forced in the thermal runaway using heater wraps that are built into the commercially designed batteries. What is the risk for thermal runaway with maybe a real world example, but help folks who maybe aren't as deep into the energy storage world as, as you are, what does thermal runaway represent for the end user? Well, from an end user perspective, people who are familiar with charging phones and laptops and small electronic equipment, typically those batteries that are charging utilize NMC or NCA, which are, or LCO, lithium cobalt-based chemistries. And very often as your phone is charging or even discharging or your laptop, you can feel that they can become very warm if not hot. That is the battery heating up as electrons are being 
shunted in or pulled out as it's discharging. That is the beginning of a potential thermal runaway situation. In the early days of the industry, it was thought that size alone could mitigate the risk of thermal runaway, meaning small consumer electronics batteries, and that it wasn't necessarily dangerous or hazardous if they go into a state of thermal runaway, which basically means the battery is heating up uncontrollably and temperatures keep escalating to 500, 1,000 C, burst into flames and worse, explode. So what we see, though, in the industry, the size alone does not mitigate the hazards. And we've heard all heard stories of cell phones and laptops exploding, catching fire on planes or on a couch in someone's living room. So the hazards of the cobalt-lithium chemistry should be taken seriously. Even small batteries can create very hazardous situations. And now in our industry, thinking about scaling up those very small electronics-type batteries into large home or commercial systems, or even worse, large utility-scale systems, it represents a significant hazard. And typically, battery manufacturers that use cobalt-based lithium chemistry and also the type of form factor have to design around an inherent hazard and risk of thermal runaway. I mentioned in the lead-up that This isn't some whimsical, satirical example of a what if. In recent memory, there have been examples of, I think the ones that mostly make it into the news are the large utility scale energy storage system fires. And candidly, it raises the hair on the neck of every utility and AHJ, sort of anyone who has to think about approving these projects, it's the first thing that folks kind of against the renewables industry uh, will use as an example, but what about these, these fires? How do those examples already create hazards for us as in the process of scaling our industry that you've seen Mm -hmm. sort of materially as the CEO of one of the companies that has to deal with this sort of fear in the marketplace? Well, the different risk profiles across chemistries and form factors is the very reason As a company in 2010, when we founded, we chose to use the lithium ferro or iron phosphate chemistry. It is very difficult to force that into thermal runaway. We also use cylindrical cells. So if people think about A, B, or C batteries that you purchase for your flashlights, we use cylindrical cells that are in heavy metal cases. Because of the structural integrity of the cells, those cylindrical cells combined with the LFP, the lithium ferrophosphate chemistry, we have a very safe battery. And what we have found in the industry, though, and you mentioned I was at the National Fire Prevention Association conference 12 years as heading up this company and At these conferences, or any conference for that matter, experts, fire experts, battery experts, all refer to lithium-ion batteries as if it is one... Monolithic category. Yes. And there is no differentiation. And so every time there is a fire, an explosion, 
a battery recall. Some of the biggest providers of Resi systems are in their fourth and fifth battery recalls. The entire industry, including a company like us, gets a black eye. And while that might hurt commercially, for me, the real significant pain point there is the entire industry takes a hit, which means energy storage is not being looked at as a way to create resilience. It's not being looked at as a way to transition to a higher percentage of renewables in any energy portfolio, which are critical given climate change and everything we're seeing. So going back to 9540A and the 9540 certification, if there is a way that we can set up test protocols that really hone in on what are the safer chemistries? What does have a less risky or a no risk or low risk profile on a chemical basis, but also on a form factor and manufacturing basis such that consumers can have access to these data sets, the reports. And when I say consumers, it can be homeowners, it can be project developers, EPCs, anybody that's engaged in designing and installing systems, large-scale utility to community to homes, if they can have access to this data, they can begin to make informed purchasing decisions and choose chemistry and form factor battery manufacturers that have a safe risk profile such that they can truly look at their energy storage as a way of creating resilience in their home, their hospital, their school. They can look at their energy storage as truly creating critical backup power and allowing them to rely more and more on renewables so that they have power 24-7 after the sun sets or the wind stops blowing. So energy storage has a critical role to play in climate change, CO2 reduction, and cost savings. Homes, businesses, after two, now we're into the third year of COVID, any kind of power loss where you lose a refrigerator full of food or your business has to shut down, everything is electronic, you lose business. It's, it's really catastrophic in so many ways on an economic basis alone. So energy storage being so critical, then... Every time there is a recall or another fire and the entire industry suffers, we're really not serving the industry very well or the consumers or the planet because there is no differentiation. And that is amazing to me given that as a company for us, 12 years we've been trying to educate the market and consumers to let them know that they do have a choice and that 9540A finally is providing data that allows AHJs, firefighters, and consumers to make those informed decisions. The challenge, however, is that these reports are thought as private, there's IP involved, and companies are not releasing them. And we feel it's just incredibly important to create more transparency in the market so that consumers can make those informed decisions. And also it will drive innovation to understand how different chemistries, different form factors, manufacturing processes, or just manufacturers 
how they actually perform through these tests adds value. I suppose that given the nature and it, it's easy to find uh, the reference that, Ka- that Catherine made of um, manufacturers that are in four and five versions of recalls, uh, you know, the, there was a notable battery fire down in AP, APS uh, Arizona uh, territory that serves as one of the classic examples. I think one of the things that might surprise folks is that 9540 is required. 9540A, as you mentioned, is a protocol that is private. How much does it cost to go through the 9540A? And is it required to get 9540? It is not required to obtain 9540 certification, but more and more AHJs and fire departments are requiring it in the industry uh, started in New York and in California. So in some respects, it is going to be necessary to sell into certain markets. Mm -hmm. And as I understand, this can cost upwards of a half a million dollars to get the certification. Well, yes. So in the, in the, energy storage industry, we start at UL 1642, which is a safety test for just the cells. And again, whether it's cylindrical, prismatic, or pouch, then you move on to UL 1973. And that is a battery certification that has been in the industry and was really the standard for years. It does include tests that isolate the BMS the battery management system to test for thermal runaway when it comes to short circuit, mm-hmm. overcharge, over discharge, et cetera. Those tests combined, which again are industry standard, you must have 1642, the cell level, and 1973 at the battery level to even begin testing the 9540A. And those tests combined can be anywhere from eighty dollars to $120,000. So there's that test protocol, those two, and then to go through 9540A, the cell level test, depending on the NRTL, forty dollars to $60,000, module level test, that can be eighty dollars to $120,000, and unit level test, again, another ninety dollars to $130,000. Don't forget, too, at each of these test levels, you are building equipment. And so the cost of the equipment and a lot of other associated costs are built into it as well. I want to just clarify for anyone who doesn't know, NRTL is Nationally Recognized Testing Laboratory. There are numerous, you can search that Google, um, that term, Um, but it's important. I think it's important for us to, uh, I try to to untangle the alphabet soup sometimes that we get caught in, especially with certification. That's okay. That's okay. So UL is the most Mm -hmm. well-known Nationally Recognized Test Laboratory. There's also Intertech, DNVGL, and others. Um, And they all are, well, all of the labs will conduct tests and some can provide certifications and others cannot or do not. Catherine, a couple of things come up for me on this. A lot of business decisions are made around costs and the cost implications, not just of certification, but of the packaging of your product and how you bring it to market. Some of that probably is considered, if not a trade secret, then it's IP protected. Uh, And I can understand how some of that might lead a company to not want to share their 9540A protocol, even if they've done it. 
the conversations I've had with you and, and others suggest that companies simply are not doing the 9540A at all, or if they are, they're developing incomplete or confusing reports. Can you talk a bit about the differentiation between the level of transparency that uh, you and others are bringing with 9540A versus what's at stake for the alternative? 9540A test results and the full report do contain what would be considered IP uh, trade secrets. However, it is easy enough to cover up, to black out photos, for example, the internal architecture specifics around your BMS, the battery management system, perhaps wiring harnesses and other elements that are built into a battery to create efficiencies or maximize performance. We have taken a position as a company that we will take the risk and publicly publish our 9540A test results at the cell, battery, and large unit level because we are committed to informing the industry. And when I say informing the industry, it's not just our customers, but it's also the firefighters, the first responders, the AHJs. It is so critical. So we've decided to publish our test results. Some of the pictures are blacked out. Any sensitive information is indeed blacked out, but it is possible. And I don't agree that IP protection is a reason not to publish. I think more than that is companies that go through 9540A don't release their test results because the test results have contain pictures. So for example, example, if you imagine a battery module that has been built with heater wraps, which is part of the protocol for 9548, heater wraps around the cell, whether it's prismatic pouch or cylindrical. And these heater wraps are forcing thermal runaway in the cells. If those cells and the chemistry go into unmitigated propagation, so the cell heats up with the heater wraps, but then it spreads from cell to cell to cell, and there are hundreds of cells in any given battery, then what you see on the outside of the battery are plumes of smoke and then erupting into fire and worse explosion. Again, depending on if it's a cobalt-based chemistry, the form factor, how it's constructed. So the any battery, lithium-ion battery, can go through 9540A. Any manufacturer can, but it doesn't mean that the results that they receive are something that they would necessarily want to share with a consumer because of the smoke, the fire, the explosion, anything that can happen that is characterized in that 9548 test protocol. What that implies then is customers may be buying batteries that has been said to go through 9548 and then the 9540 certification, if that's obtained, the 9540 certification will be based to some extent on those test results. And that's where you have limitations on the scale, the capacity. Maybe there's a limit of 20 kilowatt hours or 40 kilowatt hours, whatever it is. There needs to be spacing between the battery modules that house the batteries, uh, the cabinets, 
uh, wiring uh, deflagration radius. Some batteries require 30, 30 foot radius for deflagration, for uh, risk of explosion. So the 9540A generates a lot of valuable data, but there is a reason that companies beyond IP are not publishing that data. So Catherine, back to the, you know, the top where I introduced that you had just come back from the NFPA conference up in Boston. Could you give me a sense of your takeaways from that conference in re- with regards to how AHJ's uh, authorities having jurisdiction, uh, municipalities, uh, fire uh, professionals are approaching uh, this industry presently and and how they view 9540, 9540A and the data that should be available to them? Well, I was in a primary session at the conference and the topic was hazards of lithium ion batteries, lessons learned from Surprise, Arizona. I mean, that was the actual title, uh, the APS fire. Surprise was the actual place of the project, right? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Fitting. Surprise, Arizona. Um, (laughs) The APS, (laughs) yeah, utility scale. But it, it was a surprise in that session that not one mention of 9540A test data and the availability of these test results could be used in a decision of what chemistry, what form factor, what battery manufacturer to purchase for a utility scale system. In other words, lessons learned. I didn't really hear what were the lessons learned based on where the market has been moving with more fire safety testing like 9540A. And that was discouraging. The point I made when the floor opened up for questions is, why not? How is it that the NFPA and the AHJs and the insurance companies and all the NRTLs represented there, how is it that no one is One, talking about 9540A test results, fire safety test results, and demanding that these reports be provided to the AHJs, to the fire departments. Two, why aren't they being cited as resources for decision-making, certainly for large project developers like APS that was sitting on the panel, as was the battery manufacturer? Why not? And the other question I asked really had to do with how is it I've been in this industry for 12 years. And as a company, we took a state, we put a stake in this in the sand early on. We will not use a cobalt-based lithium-ion chemistry that is going to give us a price advantage in the market. We will not use a form factor to house that chemistry because that form factor is cheaper to manufacture. We will not do that. So we have always sold energy storage systems at a bit of a premium, say anywhere between seven to 10%, sometimes less, it it just depends on the year and the market, but it's at a premium. But what you pay at a higher rate of say 7% per kilowatt hour upfront, 
you're not going to pay on the back end when your battery overheats, catches fire, or explodes. And so we've just never been willing to take uh, a position in the market and gain advantage because we're fundamentally putting customers at risk when we see energy storage is creating security and resilience. And there are battery manufacturers out there, some leading brands, who are knowingly using cobalt-based chemistry and packaging it into batteries. And yes, they can say that they have cooling, thermal monitoring, and everything else. But fundamentally, they are designing around a hazardous chemistry that fundamentally has the risk of thermal runaway, fire, and explosion. And the fact that the industry is still not differentiating. So I think you said earlier, when there's a fire, the entire industry gets a black eye. Indeed. Everybody, including companies like ours, that has never been willing to make this trade-off for market advantage. And it really undermines manufacturers' innovation in a safer chemistry and technology and uh, doesn't serve the customer. I guess the one point I would also want to make as a follow-up to what I was saying before is 9540A, again, because any manufacturer can go through it. If the test reports were available, then customers who said on that panel at the NFPA conference, well, we chose the battery because of the upfront cost. And we had project costs and overruns, and of course, cost per kilowatt hour is always a consideration in the choice. Had they known that that lower upfront cost per kilowatt hour would cost them dearly once that battery had caught fire and exploded, would they have made the same choice? What is cost and what is price? And I think we need to differentiate between those two. Another point around cost that 9540A test reports help identify and the UL9540 certification is that upfront price point, say it's 7% higher price per kilowatt hour, but you begin to pay dearly and well beyond 10, 15, sometimes 20% additional cost for all the ancillary equipment from thermal monitoring and cooling to deflagration, mitigation techniques, you end up spending a lot more on ancillary equipment to further prevent and protect against that thermal runaway and fire and explosive event. And that doesn't get built into or embodied in the cost per kilowatt hour because somehow no. it's protection equipment rather than production equipment. Exactly. So no one factors that into mm -hmm. a the cost of a battery on a kilowatt hour, and yet the battery, the chemistry, and the construction is the very reason you have to spend that additional money at the point of installation. Yeah. So that's another issue that is really not looked at, mm -hmm. and 9540A and 9540 uh, certification can help identify as well. Catherine, I think that I'm much clearer on 9540 and 9540A. And the only question left to address uh, for us as an industry is who's responsible then to move the industry forward so that we can 
be sure that we're deploying safe energy storage systems so that the AHJs can be sure that they're making the right decision up front uh, with the right amount of data. Who is responsible and how do we how do we get to the place where 9548 is not optional and we have more transparency around that data? Well, I think first and foremost, it's battery manufacturers. Unfortunately, there are battery manufacturers that benefit from continuing to obfuscate what chemistry they use, what form factor they use. And frankly, even if they're just white labeling cheap batteries that are imported under their U.S. brand. So manufacturers of ESS systems, batteries, really are on the forefront when it comes to customers. And it is up to all of us, not just the select few companies, manufacturers need to disclose what they are using in the build of their batteries. Also, the nationally recognized test laboratories, the NRTLs, we had to help educate them on the different safety profile of the lithium ferrophosphate chemistry and cell form factor that we use. The fact is we went through our first 9540A battery module test with an NRTL and they could not force our cells into thermal runaway with those heater wraps. And they were floored. Because of that, we had to go through the test again with even more heater wraps. The point is that the protocol that was originally utilized on our batteries was developed for cobalt-based lithium-ion cells. And the number of heater wraps and the heat that were, was required in the protocol for us had no impact. So we have been in the business of educating the experts at NRTLs, but we're also in the business of helping educate firefighters and AHJs, which again is why we release our report anytime it's asked and finally just put our reports on our website. So anybody who wants these can download them and utilize them. Again, to answer your question, first and foremost, battery manufacturers should be transparent about what they're using, if they're, where they're manufacturing their batteries. Is it the U.S. or are you importing cheap batteries from overseas and slapping a, a U.S. Uh, brand on the label? And then disclosing what the actual chemistry and form factor is and the test data. That will really help move the industry forward. It will also propel more innovation and more competition for moving just the battery chemistry forward beyond lithium ion into other types of solutions, solid state, for example. Transparency and competition are good. They drive innovation. Consumers drive markets, and they need to be informed on what that innovation and the materials used in the products they're purchasing. Well, Catherine... I'm certain I'm not the only one who uh, comes away from this conversation today, better understanding 9540 and 9540A. If folks are still yearning for more information, uh, ostensibly that's what 9540A is exactly meant to give. How can we move forward here? And how could some uh, Solar Warrior, Suncast tribe member who's listening that wants more information, how could they satisfy that desire and, and join you with this uh, drive to transparency and and getting this right so we don't have any more black eyes. We don't have any more 
surprises. Right. So our request, my request is that manufacturers in the energy storage battery industry, that they post their results as well, Mm -hmm. that we make as public as possible, including posting test reports on websites, that we create a level of transparency and empower customers, consumers to make informed purchasing decisions. That's what's going to drive the industry forward. Transparency, data, information. It will also drive innovation. And we all do better when that happens. But this kind of forward movement will not take place if manufacturers continue to obfuscate what the chemistry is, what the form factor is, where they actually are manufacturing their batteries, let the consumer decide. Give them the information to make those informed decisions. That's the request. Well, Catherine, one of the things that I admire about Simplify and about you as a leader is that you are both forthcoming with your data and bold in your stance to call others to action and call them to the, to the carpet, as we say uh, in the South here. One of the ways that you are doing that is you've created an entire page dedicated to fire safety. Not that that in and of itself is novel, but on that page is in fact the published 9540A data that we've referenced throughout this conversation. I would encourage folks to go visit that. If I've got it right, it's simplifypower.com forward slash fire dash safety to make it equally easy for you to find it. We'll link to it not only in the show notes, but hopefully in the description right there in your podcast player as well as you can just go to mysuncast.com forward slash simplify. That's P-H-I on the end, simplify, S-I-M-P-L-I-P-H-I, mysuncast.com forward slash simplify. And that'll forward you over to the website I've just given you. You have no excuse uh, for being able to find and and satisfy your desire to understand better what this is all about. And uh, thanks to Catherine, you are now more informed solar warrior. Catherine, thank you for taking the time to help us uh uh, separate the wheat from the chaff here and really understand this uh, this complicated but important and uh, essential topic around fire safety for battery systems. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it's a critical issue in, in the industry, safety, especially around fire safety. All right. Well, that's a wrap, Solar Warrior, as usual. You can find all the resources, goodies, highlights, and links from this show, as long as as well as social media links to reach out and connect with Catherine over at mysuncast.com. Don't forget, as I just mentioned, if you add a little forward slash simplify, then you'll be able to have access to that fire safety page that Simplify has on their homepage. We try to make it easy for you to access this content whenever we have the ability to present it for you. I'd love to know, what did you learn? Uh, obviously, you hopefully learned the difference between 9540 and 40A. What else did you learn? More importantly, what do you think your colleagues who don't have access to this, uh, that this important information would want to learn and would you be willing to share it with them? I would encourage you to go onto our LinkedIn page and see the post that we've made around this uh, episode. Give us a like and a comment. And if you'd share it with your tribe, that would sure make a big difference for us because it's uh, that one ripple that uh, extends out beyond my tribe to yours and to those that you're connected with that helps get this information to more and more people makes a big impact on suncast helps others find it the way that at one point in your journey you found it 
as well. And it means so, so much to us that you would do that. I'd like to just take a moment and thank Catherine once again and the Simplify team for helping to outline the importance of this detail so that you and I can be smarter every day. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>